Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life the podcast that uncovers the secret to achieving optimal well-being and empowering you to live your best life. I am your host Avik and I am delighted to have you join us on this transformative journey. So we have in today's episode we have the honor of welcoming a true visionary and expert in the field of functional and regenerative machine dr david bilstrom driven by a passion for integrative healing and a relentless pursuit of finding the root causes of illness so dr bilstrom has dedicated nearly 3 decades to helping patients reverse diseases and prevent future chronic conditions so as a quadruple quadruple board certified physician in functional and regenerative medicine interactive or integrative medicine physical medicine and rehabilitations and medical acupuncture so dr wilson brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to our conversation he is a fellow of both the american academy of integrative medicine and american academy of medical acupuncture show, uh, showcasing his commitment to holistic approaches to health and well-being currently serving as the director of international autoimmune institute and the bingham memorial center for functional medicine he leads a pioneering medical center that treats all types of autoimmune diseases while emphasizing the power of nature in promoting wellness so during our discussion we will delve into dr bilstrom's groundbreaking protocols and methodologies for reversing autoimmune diseases optimizing epigenetics and preventing chronic illness in both children and adults so doctor firmly believes that illness due to old age is a myth until reaching 90 years of age and prevention is far easier than commonly believed so his insights his insights challenge conventional medical approaches and empower individuals to take control of their health leading to a vitality and well-being for generations to come So get ready to gain invaluable knowledge and practical strategies to enhance your physical and mental health. 
Join us as we unlock the path to a healthy mind and a vibrant life with the exceptional Dr. David Billstrom. Welcome, Doctor. Thank you for having me. Great, great, Doctor. So, uh, like, Doctor, like, uh, before we delve into uh, delve deep in, deep into this topic, so can you explain the concept of the gut-brain axis and how the health of our gut impacts our mental well-being? Yeah, fantastic question. Yeah, you, you know, oftentimes people hear the gut described as the gut's the second brain because there's such a big connection between the gut and the brain, but truly, probably the gut is the first brain. And even uh, as uh, 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 a human being develops during pregnancy, the brain starts developing, the nervous system starts developing even before the child's born, but the brain development, even at that young time, is driven by the gut. So you have the gut, we have 80% of the immune system which surrounds the gut, thus the big connection between the immune system and the gut, but also you have the neurologic system of the gut. Um, people oftentimes hear about the central nervous system, which is the brain and the spinal cord, the peripheral nervous system, which is all the nerves that come off of the spine going down our arms and legs and all. But very few people know about the enteric nervous system, the nervous system of the gut. But even before a child's born, the gut, the immune system, and the enteric nervous system are driving development of the brain and the nervous system even before the baby's born. So basically, the gut's creating the brain, and then even after the baby's delivered, that triad, gut, enteric nervous system, immune system, is is causing brain development, nervous system development in children and young adults. Wow. Wow, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. So also, like, what role does the gut microbiota play in influencing our mood, emotions, and uh, the cognitive functions? Yeah. So the brain, the gut is such a central mechanism. It really drives everything. Mm. Uh, now, the intestinal microbiome, as you referenced, the mix of the good, bad bugs in the gut. Now, of course, you want a, a lot of the good. These are your warriors fighting your battles for you. You don't want much of the bad. Bad guys trying to, to, to drag you down. You want a lot of good, not a lot of bad. The intestinal microbiome has to be uh, uh, in a fantastic place. Now, every body part has its own microbiome. So like the palm of your dominant hand is different than the palm of the non-dominant hand. Back of the hand, different than the palm. All different. The gut microbiome, and kind of interestingly enough, and maybe we'll get to this, the microbiome of a woman's vaginal vault is, is very similar to the microbiome in the gut. But the microbiome in the gut really drives not just gut health, but also uh, brain health. And part of that is the good bacteria in our gut make a lot of important things for the brain, such as the feel-good neurotransmitter serotonin hmm. for mood, sleep, immune, uh, immune system, about 90% of all serotonin is actually produced in the gut by the good bacteria. A lot of that serotonin goes up to the brain and the brain is more happy. The microbiome in the gut has to make GABA, the calming neurotransmitter. The microbiome in the gut makes melatonin. So melatonin is a hormone and uh, people know melatonin oftentimes as a sleep-wake cycle regulator. But it's also a spectacular example of how hormones, including the ones made by the gut, 
hormones do so much more than we give them credit for. So people with higher melatonin levels, made by the gut, for example, have less heart attacks, less stroke, less cancer, less osteoporosis, but also less Alzheimer's. It's so important for brain health that way. But then also the gut microbiome makes something called uh, short chain fatty acids. Now, this people know melatonin, people probably know melatonin, but not a lot of people know these short chain fatty acids. So ideally the good bacteria in the gut make a lot of short chain fatty acids. Probably the most important one is called butyrate. Now, butyrate is so important when functional medicine doctors like myself ask patients to do digestive stool analysis. Let's see what's going on with the gut because the gut's driving everything, good or bad. Well, one thing that gets tested for is this butyrate, short-chain fatty acids. It's so important. So originally, when we would see low levels of this butyrate, we would have to tell patients, oh, these short-chain fatty acids made by the intestinal microbiome are so important without good butyrate levels, you can't get rid of inflammation in the gut, you're at a higher risk of colon cancer. But in the last five to 10 years, we're learning so much more about this butyrate made by the good bacteria, in that butyrate actually prevents cancer five different ways. It actually treats cancer five different ways. There is a prescription version that they're using for one of the lung cancers that really there's no other good options called non-small cell lung cancer. They're actually using butyrate to fight lung cancer. Uh, this butyrate is really important for brain. So if people have an ischemic stroke, for example, this butyrate can help the brain recover. Um, this butyrate is profoundly important at preventing obesity and actually treating obesity. I'm going to lecture tomorrow at a big obesity conference in uh, Algeria, North Africa, and we're talking about all the ways that, that butyrate um, prevents and treats obesity, but it, it is an amazing thing, including for the brain. Um, once again, the good bacteria make this, and this butyrate is actually so important that when women use butyrate supplements during pregnancy, it actually helps brain development of the developing child, and you get less autism, less developmental delay. All these brain uh, issues are lessened when a woman uses butyrate during pregnancy. So here's all these great things that the microbiome is making for the brain, but also kind of to your point, is um, if you can optimize this intestinal microbiome, and I'd love to get in how we're going to do this, uh, if you can optimize the intestinal microbiome, you can actually treat major depressive disorder. You actually can alter personality traits. People become more outgoing and more social. So in, in all these different areas, you go, my goodness, that gut is, is so important for brain health, but it can really impact any aspect of brain health. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. Like, so with this, um, as you mentioned about the melatonin level, um, so how a person uh, gets to know that uh, what's his melatonin level is and is is it high or low or in the mid-range, how they can uh, do that? So typically, uh, the way that you would test for melatonin would be a saliva test. Okay. Um, you can do blood work to check for hormone levels. Um, when you're checking blood work for hormone levels, and of course, every hormone has an impact on brain, right? Just like every hormone has an impact on preventing heart attacks and strokes, the, the brain needs all these hormones, including melatonin. 
And so if you check a blood test, it can give you a good idea of a lot of these hormones like thyroid, uh, estrogens, progesterone, testosterone, the brain hormone, pregnenolone. Um, but when things are in the bloodstream, such as these hormones, the question is, can it actually get into the cells? Because the action is not in the bloodstream. The action is in the cells of the body, whether it's brain cells, gut cells, muscle cells. And so saliva testing of hormones will tell you what's inside the cell, intracellular levels. And so this can really be the best way to check for a lot of these hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, uh, cortisol, very important, the stress hormone, but also it will tell you melatonin levels. And typically, if you're going to check for melatonin levels using saliva, there's a 24-hour cycle of a lot of things, including melatonin. So usually the saliva test will check three distinct time frames within the 24-hour cycle, and you can, you'll be able to see melatonin levels, but you also get to see the rhythm. And for the body, rhythm is very important. Certain hormones are released early in the day, certain other hormones are released later in the day. So this whole hormone balance, this whole circadian rhythm, sleep-wake cycles, for example, the circadian rhythm is so important for, for health, and saliva testing would tell you melatonin levels. Now, because all hormones keep away inflammation, and by keeping away inflammation, they keep away disease, what you'll see sometimes when people are having a lot of health issues and you do the saliva test looking for melatonin, you'll see levels that are running really high. Mm. And when I see that, I'm like, oh, good. Look at your body trying to compensate for your health issues by making extra melatonin right now, not just to help you with your sleep, but because melatonin keeps away inflammation and is so good for the brain, for example, this is your body making extra melatonin to keep away memory issues and concentration issues and depression and anxiety and panic attacks and all these kind of things. This is your melatonin during these times of health crises or trying to keep away heart attacks and keep away strokes and all this. Once you fix everything, the melatonin levels tend to come down to their more usual levels. And then that's a good place to be for them preventing future disease. Your body's really good at compensating to fix stuff, but also then it'll return to where it wants to be to maintain long-term health once these health crises are, are, are taken care of. Wow. So are there any specific gut disorders or imbalances that have been strongly linked to mental health conditions such as uh, anxiety and depression? Yeah. And so um, part of this gets back to what causes chronic disease of all kinds. And so with the gut being a central mechanism, but 80% of the immune system surrounds the gut, uh, when the gut's off, it throws off the immune system. And one thing the immune system is supposed to do is keep away infections. Now, there's infections that create obvious uh, health issues, like if you get a pneumonia or you get a urinary tract infection or you get COVID, you go like, oh, that's obvious infection. There's other infections that drive chronic disease. So things like Epstein-Barr virus, herpes virus 6, which is a different herpes virus. It's not cold sore herpes or sexually transmitted herpes. It's a different kind of herpes virus. Uh, Coxsackie virus, mycoplasma, a lot of different ones. And when the immune system disrupted, these infections can get in from the outside. Or in the case of Epstein-Barr virus, Epstein-Barr virus, which they, they sometimes call the mononucleosis bug, it really gets in everybody, usually within a few months of, of birth. But what your immune system, when it's healthy, has to do is keep Epstein-Barr virus dormant, has to keep it quiet your whole life. If it doesn't, 
if the immune system is disrupted because of a disrupted gut, it loses control and the Epstein-Barr virus will rear its ugly head. These other infections come in from the outside and they're classic for causing a lot of brain stuff. Now, they can also cause a lot of other health issues such as all the autoimmune diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, all this kind of stuff. They can cause um, multiple sclerosis, an autoimmune disease where the immune system actually attacking your own brain parts. But these infections get in or rear their ugly heads and then start driving all this brain stuff, including um, autism spectrum disorder, all the brain things in kids. And so we now know that infections are part of every chronic health issue, not just autoimmune disease. There's a lot of these bugs that like to go to, to the brain, but also these, these, these bugs will create a lot of other health issues But this is where the brain tends to get dragged into the mess no matter what's going on. So you can have uh, any kind of chronic health issue, but the brain is going to start being affected. Geez, my memory is not as good as it used to be. My concentration, I'm more depressed, I'm more anxious, I get panic attacks, I can't shut my brain off at night to go to sleep. Well, these infections are always going to be part of that because of this disrupted immune system. And so most of these infections are real easy to test for on just a regular old blood test. And when you see them, then you got to get rid of them. Now, we, we love a product out of Canada called PH Structured Silver Solution. Now, silver has been used historically uh, for, for hundreds and hundreds of years to get rid of infections. Now, typically, they're very good at getting rid of infections that are the obvious ones, easy to get rid of. You can't really use colloidal silver to get rid of these sneaky chronic infections that drive chronic disease because it, it takes a long time to get rid of them, three, six, nine months. Um, some cultures do use colloidal silver for chronic disease. And, I, and, and my understanding is this, this happens in India where people will actually turn blue because they've used too much colloidal silver. But colloidal silver is not powerful enough to get rid of these infections that we're talking about. And so more like nano silvers, but specific kind of nano silvers very powerful at low doses. They don't accumulate in the body. Thus, you can use them long enough to get rid of the infections without ever having to worry about turning blue. So getting rid of these infections, uh, there's also some botanicals that can be used to get rid of these infections. So getting rid of the infections is very important, but also there's very specific things that you can do to fix the intestinal microbiome that will fix the brain as well. And when the gut's off, You also have a hard time digesting food and getting the vitamin minerals out. Without these vitamin minerals, that's very challenging for the brain to be healthy. So, for example, B vitamin deficiencies can come from gut disruption. Without B vitamins, it's very hard for the brain, including they'll drive things like mood issues, Alzheimer's, dementia. Um, when the gut's off, you can't get rid of toxins from the body because most toxins that leave the body, whether they're internally generated toxins, or unfortunately we live in a very toxic world nowadays, all these environmental toxins get into the body, we have to poop them out. We have to defecate them out. There's only a few toxins that we can pee out and sweat out and breathe out. Most of got to poop them out. But when the gut's disrupted, the gut gets leaky. And you hear this a lot about intestinal permeability disorder, leaky gut, where even if you have the nutrients to drive your detox pathways to get toxins in the gut, with a leaky gut, they don't leave the body through poop and they leak back in the bloodstream. But a leaky gut leads to a leaky brain. That blood-brain barrier that's supposed to separate 
the bloodstream from the brain because there's some things in your body you don't want to get into the brain like the bad stuff well when you get a leaky gut you get a leaky brain so all these toxins that flood into the bloodstream from a leaky gut flood into the brain and then make the brain this weak spot and this is where the brain is very sensitive to toxins mm. and but this is where you fix the gut and you fix the leaky gut you fix the leaky brain and then the brain is able to keep out bad things like toxins and infections while still letting nutrients get in there supposed to get in okay okay so also heard about the inflammation uh, in the gut effect uh, to our mental health so are there any specific dietary or lifestyle factors that contribute to gut inflammation yeah so one thing that's very important to to realize is uh excessive stress whether it's mm-hmm. physical stress emotional stress spiritual stress will tend to throw off the stress hormone cortisol and cortisol is designed for intermittent stress uh like an emotional stress cortisol the stress hormone kicks up and cortisol will actually turn into cortisone which is a steroid hormone our body makes to get rid of inflammation cortisol also kicks up during these temporary times of stress and it actually makes the immune system stronger so it can fight infections and that's a great thing but when we're under a lot of chronic stress either a lot of chronic emotional stress or under chronic physical stress like having a chronic infection that drives chronic disease that is a 24 hour a day 7 day a week physical stress to the system being very low in an important vitamin like b vitamins 24 hours a day 7 days a week week after week So these physical stressors will kick cortisol up into the stress mode but then they lock it in place and then you're stuck in the stress mode. Now sometimes people can feel this stuck in the stress mode. They just feel chronically anxious or chronically worrying about things or panic attacks or I can't shut my brain off to go to sleep. They can feel this stress mode. Um sometimes they can't though. But when that happens and cortisol's kicked up in the stress mode it's very tough on the gut. Stress always throws off the gut. Now people that maybe have taken big university exams for example or something like that just before a big test that you, your stomach goes gurgle 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 or maybe you have to run to the bathroom real quick stress is nailing the gut well stress nailing the gut makes it leaky and then that creates this whole host of things that we've kind of talked about so uh teaching the body what calm feels like creating calm the body like with meditation yoga tai chi getting out in nature nature is very good at helping human health and well-being by creating calm basically nature works through cortisol so anything you do to create calm is going to help the gut stay healthy and this is one thing that gets forgotten is the stress hormone cortisol being stuck in the stress mode is always part of chronic health issues including chronic brain issues so you got to create calm now one of the challenges when it comes to getting cortisol out of the stress mode into the calm mode are these physical stressors and so let's say you have a chronic infection that's driving this chronic brain related issues of all kinds schizophrenia depression you name it don't matter um you can do meditation every day but you may not quite get to where you, you need to be we can't kind of talk about it's hard to meditate your way out of an infection. Mm-hmm. So if you get rid of an infection though or a vitamin deficiency, it opens up this window of opportunity for cortisol to go from stress mode to calm mode. And this is where people go, "Oh my goodness, I'm getting so much better uh 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 improvement through my meditative practice now that I kind of 
got rid of some of these physical stressors because now you can get cortisol in the calm mode and then you can fix anything in the calm mode. But that's a great way to stay healthy. You maintain this is where like meditative practices, for example, or deep breathing, progressive muscle relaxation, really super important to reverse any kind of chronic disease, including brain disease. But then also maintaining a good practice is a really great way of staying healthy the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Foundational. Because like, maintaining calm keeps the gut healthy, which keeps the brain healthy and the immune system healthy and everything else. True. Exactly true. So, uh, so as, per, as per your experience, uh, from your experience, can you share any research or evidence that uh, supports the use of probiotics or prebiotics in improving the um, mental health conditions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is really cool. So um, ideally, we have great, good bacteria in our gut. Ideally, we consume foods that have good fiber. Those are the prebiotics. They feed the good bacteria in the gut. The good bacteria make butyrate, short-chain fatty acids, serotonin, GABA, melatonin. Everything's wonderful. Um, but in our modern society, ever so many things will disrupt the intestinal microbiome, such as stress. We live in an incredibly stressful world, okay? On our uh, intake sheets, one of the questions that we ask uh, is um, worry and anxiety, zero to 10. Now, nowadays, nobody's a zero. The, we're such a stressful world, nobody's better than a two to three. If somebody tells me that their worry and stress levels are zero, I say, oh my goodness, you're so stuck in the stress mode, you don't even know what stress feels like anymore. Such as, um, I lived in downtown Chicago for a long time, and people would come in to see me with chronic health issues. And I, I'd look at their sheet, and they would give their stress level a zero. And I say, oh, I see here, you have all these health issues. Oh, I, I lost your audio. I guess uh, there was some... Oh, there you are. Um, that is the reason... Uh, got disconnected so we'll no issue so previous part is already there so uh, we can we can uh, start here yeah did, did, I, did you hear me starting about the story about chicago uh yes yes yeah okay yeah. so uh antibiotics disrupt the intestinal microbiome so many antibiotics used nowadays especially in young kids um in a child less than one year of age even one dose of an antibiotic not even a full five, seven-day course, one dose of antibiotic will disrupt the intestinal microbiome and it will never be fixed unless you do something very specific to fix it. All the medicines, a lot of the medicines that people use for pain, such as ibuprofen, Motrin, all those non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications, terrible impact on the intestinal microbiome. Birth control pills, terrible impact on intestinal microbiome. The medicine that gets used an absolute ton for blood sugar issues called metformin, terrible impact on the intestinal microbiome. And a whole bunch of other prescription medicines that get used for blood pressure, blood sugar, other will disrupt the intestinal microbiome. So nowadays, it's not just, oh, I need to eat high-fiber foods to feed my good bacteria, but the good bacteria are totally decimated, totally knocked out by all the things that happen in our lifestyle, including a lot of environmental toxins disrupt the intestinal microbiome as well. And so this is where it's so important. Yes, we have to eat foods high in fiber, good fiber, um, but we also usually need to replenish 
the good bacteria probiotics. Now, fermented foods, very good. But usually what I'm thinking is once somebody's got chronic disease, like brain disease, other kind of diseases, just eating fermented foods will not be quite enough. You need higher doses, and this is where probiotics come in. So a good example uh, of probiotics impact is a couple of real specific environmental toxins. One is BPA that comes from soft plastic water bottles, for example, and then the phthalates that come in a lot of the products uh, for um, uh, uh, skin care and shampoos and conditioners have these phthalates. Well, phthalates and BPA drive people towards diabetes. Probiotics stops them from doing that. It's like, oh, that's so protective, right? Um, so you need probiotics. But what I tend to find is, yes, probiotics are great. And one thing that will happen ideally is because you now have this good bacterial mix in your gut, you'll make the short-chain fatty acids like butyrate. Oh, great. Now you got butyrate to heal the gut. To fix everything, brain, prevent cancer, all these kind of great things. But without butyrate, it's hard to build the numbers of the good bacteria in the gut, even if you use probiotics and you use prebiotics. So this is where this butyrate is so important, whether it's mothers using it during pregnancy to help the brain develop in the children before they've been born or prevent cancer, all this kind of stuff. And so what I tend to find is it's hard to build the good bacteria numbers and optimize the intestinal microbiome without butyrate. But this really gets at a super central mechanism and how what we have to have done to fix optimizing intestinal microbiome. And that is a really big central mechanism that gets mixed kind of like the cortisol and managing stress is uh, vitamin D receptors in the gut. Now, many people hear about vitamin D and how important it is. It's virtually impossible for humans to make it from sun exposure nowadays. It, it, it's things have happened that we just don't make it from sun exposure. So ideally, if you do a blood test for vitamin D levels, you want your level to be between 70 and 90. So lifeguards in San Diego, California, here in the United States, Southern California, lifeguards, great tans, wearing bathing suits on the beach all day long. You want a vitamin D level of 70 to 90, they're at four, mid-40s. They're like 40 points lower than they should be. So if you're not taking vitamin D at the right dose of a supplement, you are in terrible shape, including even if your vitamin D is not perfect. So we, one, one ex, uh, example we use of the importance of vitamin D, yes, vitamin D levels should be 70 to 90, but if a woman gets her vitamin D to 60 or above, she's automatically decreased the risk of getting breast cancer by 82%. If a woman's vitamin D during pregnancy is 50 or more, she has decreased the risk of her child ever getting multiple sclerosis by 50%, the autoimmune disease that attacks the brain. One way that happens is your immune system can't keep that Epstein-Barr virus quiet, kind of a thing. Um, so you have vitamin D. But every cell in your body has a receptor for vitamin D. So in order for things to tell cells what to do, that cell has to have a receptor on it for something important. So a lot of times people hear about insulin, the hormone that controls blood sugar and insulin receptors in the cells but insulin resistance can happen the receptors become resistant to insulin so no matter how much insulin you have you can't attach it and do the work and you get diabetes it's almost like you don't have insulin well it turns out every cell in the body has receptors for vitamin d the gut once again uber central mechanism the gut has more vitamin d receptors than any other body part and when that got 
discover, we go, wow, vitamin D must be really important for the gut. So it turns out, though, that vitamin D receptors in the gut become resistant to vitamin D. And that starts this whole domino effect of terrible things. Mm. You fix it, this whole domino effect of great stuff happens. So the original data was if you can fix this, you can fix any autoimmune disease, including the autoimmune diseases that attack the gut. But then they also said, and this is from about 2018, they go, wow, this looks like exactly what you want to do for everything. This looks like exactly what you want to do to prevent depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, brain-related stuff, cancer, diabetes, heart attacks and strokes and all kinds of stuff. About six months later, they go, wow, this is a nuclear weapon against metabolic syndrome, insulin and blood sugar, abnormal weight gain, cholesterol, heart attack and stroke risk, but also blood sugar control issues always start whacking the brain. That inflammation from can't control blood sugar, just terrible for the brain. Um, and all the data since that time is like, oh my goodness, that's exactly what happens. And so a year ago, well, maybe two years ago, the Harvard Journal of Psychiatry said, wow, you fixed the intestinal microbiome this way because it's optimizing intestinal microbiome by fixing it that I'll tell you about in a sec. Wow, you can treat major depressive disorder with this. Another study came out, and the name of the study was something like the intestinal microbiome's role in personality traits. If you optimize the intestinal microbiome this way, people become more outgoing and more social. So it has such an integral part of brain chemistry. Well, the way you fix this is with three things, daily vitamin D, daily probiotic, and daily butyrate. These three things fix the vitamin D receptor resistance, and what happens in the gut is it optimizes the intestinal microbiome, the lining of the gut stops making chemicals that create inflammation, including a big one called NF-kappa-beta. Okay. The lining of the gut starts making proteins called antimicrobial peptides that specifically keep bad bugs down in the gut. So by optimizing the intestinal microbiome, get rid of autoimmune disease, get rid of diabetes, prevent it, get rid of brain stuff. And oh, by the way, it prevents heart attacks and strokes and Alzheimer's and dementia and all this other kind of stuff prevents obesity. So this is where optimizing the intestinal microbiome is central to everything. Wow. Wow. So um, like about this, like are there any certain foods or dietary patterns that are known to promote the healthy gut and in turn support better mental health? Yeah. And so... This is unfortunately like in, in, in a lot of the Western countries like the United States, we have such a, a, an epidemic of brain issues where, you know, one in 50 children in U.S. and Canada is born with autism. Okay. The rest of the world is one in 164. So it's big elsewhere. But really, oh, my God, an explosion of all kinds of mental health stuff. Every almost every kid has autism, developmental delays, ADD, ADHD, anxiety, depression, a whole uh, epidemic of suicide and then every other you know it's just terrible and so a big one that creates disruption in the gut and the intestinal microbiome is the foods people choose so highly processed foods and fast foods now i tend to say i don't tend to say these these things are foods they're actually more like food like substances they're not even food but they don't have any nutrients and they have so many things that are bad for the gut, artificial sweeteners, artificial colors and dyes and preservatives. They are tremendously 
uh, terrible for the intestinal microbiome. So eating those foods creates a terrible intestinal microbiome, totally disrupts the gut, totally disrupts the brain, totally disrupts the immune system. Also, why so many children get asthma and allergies and cancers and all these kind of things nowadays. Um, but the foods that you want to feed a healthy intestinal microbiome are the real foods. Uh, on my desk, I have this little plaque uh, that says organic food, what my grandparents called food. Because a couple generations ago, that was all there was. There wasn't really things available that had labels. So we kind of tell people, well, don't eat foods Try to eat foods that don't have labels, like an apple. You look at an apple, there's there's no label. All it is, it's an apple, right? Um, an egg. Well, an egg doesn't have a, 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 all it is is an egg, right? So broccoli, cauliflower, all the vegetables, all the fruits, beans and nuts and, 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 and coconut and corn, you know, all it's just no labels, just what it is. So trying to eat those foods really produces a healthy micro, microbiome. Um, what we kind of tell people is if you, you do eat a food that has a label on it, don't buy it and eat it if it has more than five ingredients. Because once you get past five ingredients, there's going to be things that you look at it and you don't know why it is. But also you can pretty much guarantee it's going to be a preservative or an artificial color or something, something to increase shelf life, which is going to be counterproductive for the intestinal microbiome. So you want to eat and, and this is such a worldwide problem. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia, uh, uh, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Indonesia, Malaysia, all this. Uh, and my wife and I actually went uh, on our honeymoon to Hong Kong, Macau, and Thailand. And so we're in uh, Thailand, and I've been I spent a lot, of, almost maybe a year of my life in Thailand. So here, I love going to Thailand. I love eating the street food. Okay, there's no refrigeration. It was just picked. It was just bought that day, and it's cooked right in front of you. Spectacular! It costs like a dollar. You know, oh my, wonderful, good. good. Well, the, the the children of people in Thailand that are wealthier, a real big treat for them is to go to K Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? And so you go, oh my goodness, seven dollars for a, a good K K Kentucky Fried Chicken meal. Most people can't afford that, but mm -hmm. the wealthy people can. But there's these young people eating at fast food restaurants. And you just go, oh my goodness, what a mess that's creating, right? What a what a breeding ground for all these mental health issues and all these brain related things because they got the artificial colors and the preservatives and there's no nutrient content. Where the people that eat on the street, all fresh food, all cooked fresh, it, it's just a wonderful thing. But this is where, in all the developing countries, they're just you know right along mental health issues, cancer, autoimmune disease, just booming in, in, in every place, including like in Japan, multiple sclerosis, the brain autoimmune disease was unheard of 50 years ago. And now it's really common. Wow. Wow. So like, uh, how does stress impact our gut health? And um, like, what are the strategies that we can implement to reduce stress and promote the healthier gut-mind connection? Yeah, so um, we always know infections are part of this stuff, including ones that like to get the brain. So this is where things like the pH-structured silver solution out of Canada, uh, um, I really would like this available everywhere in the world. Now, ideally, because we're in Canada and it's certified by the top organization in Canada that, that says, hey, you can sell this because it has, has scientific medical value. 
Ideally, it could be shipped to every nation in the world as part of the Commonwealth nations. Yeah. But it hasn't gotten there yet. So you always got to get rid of infections, but there are also some botanicals. But it can be shipped places, too, even if it can't be technically imported. It can be shipped by supplement companies. Um, you always know that the vitamin D receptor in the guts become resistant to vitamin D. There's that triad, the supplements that are available anywhere. Then you got to create a calm. Because you're getting rid of these physical stress, and they create the calm. So this is where meditation, all this, has been shown to optimize the intestinal microbiome. But because of that, and the imp- the gut's impact on everything, what you're really getting at is the central mechanism of health or disease in every cell in the body, including the brain cells. And this is the uh, uh, epigenetics that you referenced. So we used to think that the genes, our DNA in every cell in our body, the genes, the DNA tell the cells what to do. We used to think these genes, DNA, were hardwired. Whatever we got, we got good, bad, otherwise from parents, grandparents. Hopefully you got more good than bad. You don't want, you know, parents, grandparents have every chronic health issue you can imagine. But it turns out that's not the case. It's not what genes you have. It's which ones get turned on and turned off. So it's a little bit like the intestinal microbiome. You got good bugs and bad bugs. Well, in the DNA, we got good genes and bad genes. The good genes try to keep us healthy. The bad genes try to make us feel sick. So you want to turn off all the bad genes. You want to turn on all the good genes. But what happens when people are getting like mental health issues and brain-related issues and chronic disease in general, they've had their genes flipped the wrong way. So this is where people with depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, panic attacks, Alzheimer's, dementia, ADD, ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, they don't just have brain stuff. They're also tired. They also have gut issues. They also maybe have joint pain and muscle pain and bladder issues and skin problems and visual issues and all these other kind of things. Because once these genes get turned off, turned on and off the wrong way, it happens in every cell of the body. So it's so easy to get so many things going on at the same time. And this is where I always kind of talk about the brain. The brain kind of sits up on high and the brain, we kind of jokingly say the brain has a superiority complex. It thinks it's better than any other body part. So the brain sits up there and goes, hey, body, don't drag me into your mess. I'm the brain. Well, the brain always gets dragged into the mess. And that's why no matter what chronic disease somebody has, the brain's always part of it, okay? There's always a, so genes get flipped the wrong way, every cell in the body. So we got to flip them the right way, okay? But this is also as you're turning off the bad genes and turning on the good genes in every cell in the body, a person's in a position to fix everything at the exact same time. Everything is connected. So this is where meditation and other forms of relaxation uh, flips genes the right way. So back about 15 years ago, uh, uh, there was two great studies that suggested that meditation changed epigenetics. The second one was in India, actually. Well, Harvard got wind of this study out of India and go, okay, we're Harvard. We're going to do, well, Harvard has a little bit of a superiority complex. They don't believe anybody's research unless they do it themselves. Uh, and even though the study out of India was spectacular, um, Harvard said, well, we're going to do it, 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 the best one. We're going to do our best research on it. And what we're going to do, we're going to recruit all these people that have done some kind of relaxation, something every day for between three and 27 years. Meditation, yoga, tai chi, qigong, 
progressive muscle relaxation, repetitive prayer, deep breathing, all these different things. Then we're going to get this whole group of other people that have never done this stuff. We're going to check their epigenetics. So they did that, and they found that 2,000 genes were flipped differently between the two groups. And they go, wow, that's so neat. So now we're going to teach these people how to meditate. And we're going to ask them to do 30 minutes a day, five days a week for eight weeks. And then we're going to retest them after eight weeks and see if any of the genes that were differently expressed between the two groups have shifted. Well, of the 2,000 genes that were expressed differently between the two groups originally, 400 lived in the new meditators to match the old meditators. And they go, wow, that is so neat. What do those genes do? Oh, they code for inflammation. They turn off inflammation in the body. Oh my gosh, this is exactly, this is Harvard, what Harvard said, this is exactly what you want to do to prevent everything. Anxiety, depression, Alzheimer's, dementia, cancer, diabetes, heart attack, stroke, autoimmune disease, obesity, everything, right? And you go, wow, this is why meditation is so profound. It flips genes. Now, we've are, we, like myself as a functional medicine doctor, I already knew that acupuncture works through epigenetics. Butyrate as a supplement works through epigenetics. Um, but now they prove that meditation did it. But when you look at this, and this is a, a great example of how great the brain and the rest of the body is at healing stuff. Well, here are these people only did it for eight weeks. It's not like you got to do it for 10 years to get the benefit. The body is so smart. It can start to, but also it also talks about human nature and how we don't need to be perfect. We have to just be perfect enough. And so here's this group of people were asked by Harvard to meditate 30 minutes a day, five days a week for eight weeks. We don't care what you do after that. Just give us eight weeks. Doesn't matter. Well, on average, the people only did it 15 minutes a day, three days a week. So even Harvard can't get people to do it perfectly, but the human body is so smart that if you give it what it needs, if you know the language the body speaks, like meditation, oh my gosh, can the body run with that? And it gets down to the deepest level possible, which is turning off and on genes in every cell in our body to produce this profound impact. Wow. Now, you got to get rid of the infections. You want to fix that vitamin D receptor. You want to make the nutrition changes, right? But this is where meditation, oh my gosh, can it fix anything? Really impressive. A lot of information. So thank you. Thank you, doctor, for sharing all your experiences and the insights uh, related to gut health. So, And that concludes another enlightening episode of the Gut-Mind Connection, unraveling the link between gut health and mental well-being. So we hope that uh, the listeners, you have found this conversation with our guest, Dr. David, incredibly insightful and thought-provoking. So understanding the profound connection between our gut and mental health is essential for achieving the overall well-being. So we have explored the intricate workings of the gut-brain axis and the health of our gut microbiota impacts our mood, cognition, and emotional balance. So through our discussion, uh, we have gained valuable insights into the role of inflammation, stress, lifestyle factors in shaping the gut-mind connection. 
So we have also discovered the potential benefits of microbiotics, dietary choices, and the stress management techniques in nurturing a healthier gut and promoting a better mental health. So as we conclude, we encourage you to take the knowledge and the strategies shared in this episode and apply them into your own life. Always remember that small changes in your diet, lifestyle, and stress management practices can have a significant impact on the health of your gut and your overall mental well-being. So we extend our heartfelt gratitude to Dr. David for sharing his expertise and shedding light on this critical topic and which is very, very important. So his dedication to functional and regenerative medicine coupled with the passion for empowering individuals has provided us with invaluable insights. So if you have enjoyed this episode, like we invite you to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for future episodes where we continue to explore the topics that contribute to a healthy mind and a vibrant life. Thank you for joining us on this enlightening journey. And remember, your gut health is not only essential for your physical well-being, but also a key factor in nurturing your mental well-being. So embrace this power of gut-mind connection and pave the way for a healthier and happier you. So I'm your host, Avik, signing off from the gut-mind connection, unraveling the link between gut health and mental well-being. Until next time, take care and prioritize the mental well-being of your mind and gut. Thank you. Thank you so much.